To answer is human, to question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome back to another episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Williams. Today's guest is Mike Ricksecker. Mike is an author, researcher, and filmmaker. He's authored numerous paranormal books, and his book, A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, is an Amazon bestseller. He's appeared on multiple television shows and programs as a paranormal historian, including The Travel Channels, The Alaskan Triangle, History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Gaia TV, Discovery Plus's Fright Club, Animal Planet's The Haunted, and many more. He's also published numerous paranormal articles in magazines and newspapers across the country. He's even the host of the live stream show, The Edge of the Rabbit Hole. Mike, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, my friend? Uh, doing pretty well, Justin. Thanks for having me today. All right, man. Thanks so much for being here. So, you know, I always like to start off asking people, how did they get into doing what they do? Um, I know you're an Air Force veteran, you know, which is awesome. Thank you for serving our, our wonderful country here during your time. But, um, man, how did you go from being a vet, uh, being in the Air Force, I should say, to getting off into the paranormal field? I, I find it extremely fascinating, man. Yeah, well, I mean, that predates the, the Air Force. Um, you know, I've yeah. had experiences ever since uh, I was a kid. And, um, when I was very young and you know, specifically, you know, with, with shadow people, um, was about eight years old, we were at the time living in Massachusetts before the show, you and I were talking about, you know, where we'd live born in, in Cleveland, Ohio, back there now, but had a 10 year period there where, uh, I was living in Massachusetts. And during that time, when I was about eight, woke up in the middle of the night and there's this tall, dark shadow standing in the corner of my bedroom. I was completely terrified at seeing this thing, had no idea what it was. I mean, actually, what I thought was somebody had broken into the house. Um, fortunately, uh, that wasn't the case because, you know, I'm thinking, OK, so this person, whatever it is, is going to to kill me. But still have to tell the tale, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did do something very unusual. It approached my bed, leaned over and, you know, I'm trying to scream. My mouth opens up. Nothing's coming out because I'm just too terrified. And I'm staring into this blank black face. There's just nothing there. No eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. It actually grabbed me by the wrists, crossed my arms across my body, and then it ran off down the hall, all places into a closet. Hmm. By then, I found my voice, found my legs, ran off screaming to my parents' bedroom about what had happened. And, you know, 
I have very nice, kind parents are trying to console me, calm me down, trying to tell me I just had a bad dream. But, you know, this this definitely wasn't a dream. I was awake for the whole thing. Um, and that was the only was the only really significant experience like that at that particular house. But when we moved back to Ohio, uh, you know, that house there, the first several months, uh, again, I kept seeing it was a it was a shadow entity, but very different than this one that had uh, come up and interacted with me. Uh, that one in Massachusetts was very solid, very dark in mass. Of course, it came up to me. This one in Ohio was very translucent in nature, would just come by my doorway. And when I turn to look at it, it would go running off down the hall. Um, so very, very different type of entities. And so, um, you know, those are a couple of things early on that really kind of set me on this path. I see. Wow. Now tell me about these shadow people, man. I've heard the term before. I really haven't researched it, but what exactly are they? Where do they come from? Are individuals even targeted by them? Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question um, because there's no <laughs> one there's no one answer, which is why I have a you know whole book on the subject. But um, yeah, you know, uh, they can be a lot of different things depending on you know who or what the shadow is, and really it takes some investigative work to figure to figure out what a particular shadow may be. Uh, you know, some of them are just human spirits that can't fully manifest as an apparition, so they come off as a as a shadow. Um, some are actually extraterrestrials. Uh, some are interdimensional beings that have traveled here from some other plane of existence. Others are time slips. Some may be astral projections, light beings that come off on a different wavelength. Um, it just, again, really kind of depends on the particular shadow. And each one you know, has their own agenda. So if it's, you know, your your Aunt Jane who passed away five years ago, she just might have a message that she wants to deliver or maybe she's just checking in or something like that. An astral projection, you know, when somebody, you know, projects to somewhere else on the planet and I always use the example of, you know, grandmother going to visit her daughter or granddaughter, you know, how does that energy look in somebody's you know bedroom or somewhere else in the house when they manifest? Could be a shadow... Yeah. People report seeing a shimmer type person. So you know, it just it is really dependent on you know who or what we're talking about here. Okay, so they're not necessarily all of the bad or evil variety, right? No. There, there can be. No. Uh, you okay. do have those. You know, I'm not going to uh -huh. sit there saying none of them are, are evil, nasty, or nefarious. You do have that, but I think um, a lot of people they think shadow person and they immediately go to you know it's a demon. No, <laughs> you know, there are there are things, of course, uh, in this universe that that are demonic. Uh, in, in my experience and the people that I've been working with for for decades that are you know rather renowned demonologists, this is their specialty. You know, they're kind of few and, and far between. But, yeah, it, it does happen. It does happen. Wow, man. So obviously you said it happened to you twice. Those are the only two times in life that that it happened. Any no, I, I've had I've had other experiences with shadows. Those were the two that kind of set me on on the path. Okay, gotcha, 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 man. Do you still have the experiences with them? Yeah, I mean, every every once in a while, see, for a while there, I was kind of putting myself in those situations. I did paranormal investigations for a lot of years, okay, and you right. know, going to locations that you know had this sort of activity. I was interacting with quite a few, and um, you know, where others and, and this, I'll throw this out there. Um, you know, others will see more apparitions and shadows, and I see, you know, more shadows and apparitions. And there, there'll be times you're on an investigation, and it's like, would oh, you see that shadow? No. Oh, did you see that wisp over there? You know, like a white wisp or something? No. And it's like, even though you're standing right next to each other, and you're looking at the same thing, one sees something and the other doesn't, 
And hmm. the question becomes, why is that? Right. And, you know, I believe that has to do with personal resonance, energy, and vibration. You know, we're all um, vibrating at a little bit of a different frequency, you know, the human body, anywhere between like nine to 16 Hertz. And everybody's a little bit different. And of course, these beings and entities are on their own uh, frequency as well. So when something manifests into the room, depending on where everybody's at, I might see something a little bit differently. Wow, that's that's interesting. Very interesting. So in, in all, of you, all of your years doing paranormal research, what would you say is one of the craziest head scratchers, things that you've experienced or, or saw or heard of? Definitely want to know that. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. Um, you know, as far as like the crazy, I mean, one of the most wonderful was the rolling black smoke that morphed into the apparition of a little girl. That was absolutely fantastic. Wow. Uh, one of the biggest head scratchers actually was not when I was on a paranormal investigation. Um, I was I was in a backyard sitting in an SUV. Uh, a friend at that time um, had driven down to her old childhood home, which was an abandoned house at this point. Um, she was having some, some problems, and I went there to kind of console and help out and that sort of thing. And um, you know, she's sitting in her SUV behind the house, which is very dark. And there's these dark woods back behind there. So I'd parked my car in the driveway and uh, went and sat in her car. And we're talking for a while. And uh, all of a sudden I noticed in the side mirror that in the woods behind us, there are these short shadow people that are starting to gather up near uh, the trunk of the trees. And I yeah. turned and look and watch them, you know, more and more come up. And she noticed that I had noticed something. She was involved a little bit with the paranormal too. And she's like, you saw something, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, and I tell her what I had seen. Hmm. Well, we continue talking. But then one of them came up behind the car. And I said, you know, this is not what we're here for. You know, we should probably go and, and carry on the conversation elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And she agreed. So I got out of her car to go walk back to mine. Didn't see the one that had come up behind the car, although I've still seen these shadow beings that are there by the trees. But as I'm walking back to my car, I noticed up in the treetops this weird, strange sort of white, silky thing slinking through the treetops. And I, the only thing I can really call it is like a living spider web almost because it's just kind of, you know, very uh-huh. amorphous and slinking through the treetops. And it's like, yeah, it, this is good that we got out of here because <laughs> <laughs> that one was pretty crazy. Ooh, goodness gracious, mm-hmm. man. Hey, I want to ask you, do you do any type of, uh, like meditation or, or spiritual practices, and, and I ask that because is I, I'm I'm thinking do do people that maybe do any type of meditations or spiritual practices do they you know have the ability to kind of tap in more so to these things opposed to people that don't? Yeah, there's definitely something to that. Um, I. <laughs> I don't, my, my girlfriend does transcendental meditation and she's been trying to get me for a while to do more of that. And I have in the past tried to, to meditate. And usually what ends up happening is I end up falling asleep because I just, I I work myself to the point at night where I just crash and and fall asleep. So, and, and people ask me, you know, how do I get so many things done is basically I, I push myself until I, until I pass out basically. So when I go to meditate, I fall asleep. Um, but like when I was younger, um, I was, I was a lot more, um, I guess in tune to doing those sorts of things. I wouldn't necessarily call it a meditation. Um, but you know, I would certain, I would take some quiet time. I would go off, um, 
and just kind of sit and think. And I guess people might call it a type of meditation, although oh, yeah. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But um, but but those are things that I that I used to do when I was younger. And, and I, there'll, there'll be times I just like when I'm um, I don't know, like working on a book or on a project. There'll be times that I just suddenly, you know, kind of zone out somewhere on a thought or, or what have you. And um, so I guess that's a little bit meditative. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, another question about these shadow people, man, I'm so intrigued by them. Mm-hmm. Now, do, do we have the power like to, like, I don't want to say control them, but speak to them and command them to do certain things. Like if one is in my presence and I command them to leave, do they have to obey that? And do they have to, or in, in act upon that? Or is that kind of not how it works? Well, I mean, I think there's there is something to be said for intention. So, okay. um, yeah, there's like leaving a paranormal investigation. There have been times that I felt you know something following me out the door, and I'll turn around and say, "No, you're not allowed to to follow me out." And okay. setting that intention, I believe, is empowering. So, I wouldn't necessarily say that you can command these beings. You know, you, they're they're not a puppet. Right. So you can't say, hey, you know, go go give me 10 jumping jacks over there in the corner. Uh, (laughs) But uh, if you want this thing out of your room, your house or whatever, yes, I believe you can put that intention forward to say you need to go. This is my space here. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I want to kind of shift the conversation now, Mike, to Mm -hmm. talking about UFOs. Obviously, the UFOs, Mm -hmm. this this has been in the news for the last couple of weeks. Actually, it was in the news for a solid week or two, and they kind of just went away. You know, Um, (laughs) yeah, it seemed like while I was out in Egypt, the uh, the country decided to start shooting down UFOs all over the place. I missed it all. (laughs) Right, This is really weird. It was like it was so much focus on it and then it disappeared, man. Now, have you studied the UFO? Uh, phenomenon much at all. And I would love to get your thoughts on UFOs, aliens, and all that good stuff. And your thoughts on what happened while you were in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's an interesting topic. Topic. I've certainly been involved with that community. And I, I'll just straight up say, yes, I do believe UFOs are real. I have seen one. It wasn't anything significant really? or grand or anything like that. Yeah. I was, I was in Missouri uh, headed West. It was late at night. And as I'm, driving down uh, I-44, you know, off on my left-hand side, there were these two lights. Um, you know, they were they were tall, thin, uh, parallel to each other, and they were just trailing the highway. And I'm, I'm looking at them up there. I'm like, okay, you know, what is this that's basically kind of shadowing me as I'm driving? And then all of a sudden, poof, it just took off into the night sky. I'm like, oh, I think I just saw a UFO. <laughs> Oh man. man. Yeah. It's again nothing nothing grand and get abducted or anything like that. Um but you know, doing a uh hypnotic regression on the being that I saw when I was a child, the very first one, um, it basically was revealed that you know this was a being or an entity from another what they called space. You know, we would call that like another dimension. Um and just given that it's coming from some other world makes it extraterrestrial in nature. And so there is a relationship between some of these paranormal experiences and some of these UFO encounters where somebody might relate it to an ET another person might relate it to, you know, a shadow person or something like that. And we're really almost talking about uh, the same type of thing here. So yeah, I'm a firm believer in this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Okay. Now, in regards to the events that happened here when you mm-hmm. were in Egypt, do you think that was more? Do, do you believe that they were really UFOs or you know? You know, maybe I, I have to else? do. A, yeah, I have to do a little bit more digging into that because um, I've just been you know playing catch up ever since I got back. I saw the reports, of course, because uh, I was you know paying attention to social media and all that while I was still there in Egypt and you know posting all kinds of other photos. And in fact, I had posted a photo of a. Uh, it's, it's a hieroglyph that nobody's been able to uh, decipher yet because there's only one that we currently know of. It's in a tomb in Saqqara, and it looks like a UFO. So I threw that up there as a, hey, all you guys are you know shooting down UFOs and just reminded me that I have this, <laughs> this photo. Uh, but it's interesting because when you, when you read the sentence, um, it's talking about you know, fire, whatever this thing is, in the night sky. So it's like, hmm, maybe it is some sort of UFO. Um, but, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, kind of all these bizarre things going on. Haven't heard a thing since I've been back. Um, but, uh, you know, something was certainly going on because they were shooting objects down out of the sky by definition, uh, UFO, because they never identified them and really said what they were aside from some sort of, you know, balloon, uh, on a couple of these. And I loved Goodyear, you know putting don't shoot on the side of their, <laughs> that was awesome. the side of their blimp. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, that was definitely awesome. Yeah. Definitely so, awesome. so something was definitely going on. Um, I, I think it took us too long because they kept saying that, you know, the very, the first one was some sort of spy balloon and why, right. you know, if we thought it was a spy balloon, we let it cross the entire country before we shot it down. Exactly. It is mind boggling. Yes, if we knew it was, yeah, if we knew it was spying on us, then, immediately it should have been shot down. I, you know, think back to like the battle of Los Angeles, right? You know, just something's up in the sky and was it like, you know, 1400 rounds. They shot up, at, you know, into the sky. Yeah. They didn't even let it get close to the, to the shore. They just, exactly. yeah, yeah. They, they let loose. Definitely a head scratcher, man. Definitely yeah. a head scratcher. So I know you, we, we mentioned Egypt, man. I, I would love to hear mm-hmm. about your time in Egypt recently. I, actually, I was on your, your IG, your Instagram a little earlier today oh, and uh, saw you were talking about, uh, you know, Stargates, which seemed really cool. And by the way, to my audience, people listening in, check Mike's IG out. Ton of great stuff on there. Um, specifically speaking to his his recent trip to Egypt. But uh, yeah, man, Stargates. Tell me about Stargates. I actually spoke with a guy sometime last year and uh he was talking about all the stargates that are in the metro detroit area which was very interesting i never knew interesting yeah. no i hadn't i hadn't heard of stargates in in detroit so that's kind of interesting <laughs> yeah, <me either. laughs> uh, and you lived there for a while so go yeah, through that. Exactly. yeah so um yeah our, well our tour was specifically uh the stargates of ancient egypt tour and we're running it again next year by the way uh oh, april nice. 17th to the 28th i'll have some registration links and, and things like that posted up here soon but those are the <laughs> Sweet. And uh, yeah, what's what's fascinating when you look across the world, you see uh, you see stargates all over the place. You know, there's several in uh, South America. Uh, we look at some of the stone circles that may have also doubled as some sort of portal or stargate. And then Egypt, you see the symbolism for stargates all over the place. And there's even a rumor that on one of the Egyptian military installations, which is right there next to uh, the Bent Pyramid and the Red Pyramid at Dasher. Uh, they call it Egypt's Area 51. And there are rumors that have been coming out of there that they have a working Stargate, that it's actually uh, a circle 
on the ground and it has these strange colors, almost like a, an Aurora Borealis on the ground is the way it's been related. Um, that's, that's modern times though. And maybe they had, you know, uh, figured out some ancient technology to make that work. But, uh, yeah, we see the, the symbols for stargates all over ancient Egypt and, uh, you know, they're, you know, basically they're flanking doorways into different chambers of, of temples, um, or they, you know, kind of, you know, you know, graced the, uh, the lintels going back to like a Holy of Holies or something like that. And, um, yeah, the great one that I really like is Hatshepsut's temple. And uh, what's wonderful about this is uh, one of the symbols that was used in ancient times to designate energy were snakes. And as you're looking at these stairs that go up into the temple, which is basically set into the mountain, you have what had been uh, two snakes coming down alongside of that staircase. They've been recarved into falcons, but they still have the snake tails that go all the way up the stairs. Off on the left-hand side is the remnants of an old pyramid. It's basically gone except for the very base of it, but it had once been a pyramid. And, you know, there are many people that believe, uh, you know, Christopher's done, Christopher Dunn's theory about uh, the Giza power plant that uh, these pyramids were used to harness power, whether it was a power plant or something else. Like when you look at the Great Pyramid of Giza, you can absolutely see that it was used as some sort of machine. You can see, you know, the the scorch marks and vitrification of the stone inside. It's amazing. So, you know, if these are some sort of machines using uh, harnessing power, okay. So you have the symbolism of energy going back up into the temple. You have a pyramid there, uh, on the side that would be harnessing power to feed it. Then you have the uh, different doorways as you're headed back, Stargate, Stargate, Stargate. When you go back into the Holy of Holies, which, by the way, you're not allowed to get into. They have a couple of guards standing there that won't let you back. They'll take a photo for you if you tip them. But <laughs> if you get up there before everybody else and tip them a whole lot of money, oh. you can get in there and okay. you can see this uh, fantastic cartouche filled with stars. This was the Stargate room. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So it's, it's things like that, that, uh, that really fascinate me about ancient Egypt. There's a, there's a technology there that has been lost to time that they had. And, um, I think there's maybe a handful of people in this world that really understand it. Uh, there are, uh, there, there are people that have, uh, information they've been holding back for a long time when it comes to ancient Egypt artifacts that are in the hands of private collectors. You know, I, hmm. you see evidence of it in some of these different temples. Like they opened up a, a crypt in Dendara a, a couple of years ago in Temple of Hathor there. And you walk down into this new crypt and uh, it's been closed for like 20, 25 years. And you're looking around, you have, you have magnificent stuff down there. But um, you see like these big chunks taken out of the wall. So you see these different freezes and hieroglyphs and all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. You're looking at it like, hmm. where'd that go? And there's these fresh chisel marks that yeah. are, that are there. So, and I had asked the, the last time I was there about a year and a half ago, we were like one of the first groups to get down there. What, what happened to these blocks? And I can't, I can't say who told me, but um, what I heard was, you know, what they've been doing for the last 20, 25 years is 
selling some of these things off to different private collectors because they had powerful information on there and how to utilize some of this technology. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've always, and of course, I've never done any, you know, deep research regarding the ancient Egypt, Egyptian civilization, but I've always heard that they um, had this hidden knowledge or, you know, some mm-hmm. type of occult knowledge, if you will. Um, and I've heard, as you said, too, that there are some people that are very well aware of, of this hidden knowledge and, and use it for, I guess, different purposes, if you will, um, whether that be g- good or bad, that is kind of something, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, power goes to, the, to those who have the knowledge. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have some of these people that, you know, believe that they have descended down from the Anunnaki bloodline that believe that they are, you know, actually some sort of hybrid human ET sort of thing. Right. And so they firmly believe that this is a technology that is for them. And so they should have that knowledge so that they and their descendants can use it exclusively. Mm-hmm. Now, now let's talk. I'm glad you brought up the Anunnaki. Let's talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I know a little, a little bit about it, not not okay. a whole lot, but uh, it's it's been told that many, 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 many moons ago, they came here to Earth, right? And they took control. And was it that they even made hybrids out of the original, maybe it was the original humans? And then I've also heard that they, they mine the Earth for uh, specific minerals as well. I've, I've heard so much. Is, like, is, is that pretty spot on? And I'm sure it's more to it. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of different stories here about the Anunnaki. And, you know, the, the question becomes, okay, what's true and, and what's not? So, you know, one of the ideas is, you know, that they, they came down here, they wanted to harvest things like gold. And, you know, they didn't want to harvest it themselves. So uh, they took some of the creatures and beings that were already here on Earth, us, spliced our genes to make us a little bit more intelligent and put us to work as a slave race to harvest these resources for them. So that's that's one of the stories that you know, and you you see um like in some of the ancient texts, when we look back at the uh, cuneiform texts that come out of ancient Sumer, and you see some of these different stories uh, with like Inki and Enlil, and um, right. you know, Inki was the one that basically felt bad for us and tried to you know give us a, a little bit more knowledge so that we could you know become free from from the Anunnaki. Uh, but then you have, of course, the stories of you know them mating with humans and creating the giants and things like this. So, right. um, you know, and, and you look through, you know, different uh, ancient texts, even the Bible, and you see some of those stories within there. So there's definitely a uh, you know lost narrative to our history that you know we kind of you know have pieces here and there in uh, different parts of the world and in different uh, ancient religious texts that you know you're. you're trying to get the full story. And I, and I don't think we have the full story. We just have pieces of it. And I think, uh, you know, over, you know, the years, you know, you know people's, I, I don't want to say people's imaginations have, have gone wild, but, you know, in order to fill in those gaps, I think, you know, people ha- have come up with some imaginative ideas as to what really happened. And so some yeah. of them you know, make sense. Some of them are very good. Some of them are very fantastical. And so I think it's a matter of trying to discern, okay, what's what was actually said in the text and what's been embellished. And you know, does, does that embellishment make enough sense that we can say, 
okay, that is probably what happened. Or do we have to cast some of the stuff off to the side and say, nah, we're going a little too far with that. So, gotcha. you know, it's one of the, one of the great mysteries of our, of our civilization. Okay. Is it true that the, uh, the story in the Bible, I know you just mentioned the Bible really quick there. Mm-hmm. Is it true that the story in the Bible regarding Christ with the virgin birth and whatnot is, is, has that same story been told in other civilizations, even dating before the birth of, of Christ? Like yeah, civilization- we, we see that in a lot of different civilizations. We go okay. back to ancient Egypt and, um, you know, you can see that with, with Horus, uh, you okay. know, Horus is basically like the Christ child of, uh, of ancient Egypt. Yeah. A lot of different civilizations have you know, that type of story. That said, I do believe uh, personally in the teachings of Jesus. When you go New Testament and you just look at the things that Jesus said, it's mm-hmm. like I'm on board with with what he said. Um, but but I believe that uh, over time, a lot of you know these different legends and stories from you know ancient times have been superimposed on top of him. To you know, we're gonna. Uh, and when you look at uh, ancient civilizations, you know, you weren't really, you know, high and mighty unless you had that virgin birth. You know, that was one of the things that designated okay. you as a godlike person. So I think some of those stories were superimposed onto the story of Jesus to make him uh, more godlike. Okay. Now, who is this guy Toth or Thoth, if I'm pronouncing it correctly? Thoth, yeah. I've always, heard, yeah. always have heard of him. And then the, uh, what, what is that that he was uh, supposed to have written? Was it the green, em- the Emerald Tablets? The Emerald Tablets, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, he's a, uh, we would call it a god, but the Egyptians called it a netter, was their word, uh, you know, of knowledge. And so basically he was the one who imparted knowledge onto the people. We see his story play out in other cultures as well. So like we were just talking about uh, Inki from uh, ancient Sumer in in regards to the Anunnaki. Uh, Very, very similar, perhaps the same person uh, when you talk Inki, when you talk Thoth, when you talk, um, you know, some of these others from uh, Mesoamerica, uh, you see very, very similar stories between these different uh, characters that, uh, that that may have all been the same person. And the stories, you know, was proliferated across uh, the, the different continents. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. The next thing I want to discuss with you, Mike, is uh, the phenomenon of abductions, right? This is uh, okay. something that I always had an interest in. I, I've learned of something a couple of years ago um, regarding um, people that have gone missing in national parks. And I believe the guy mm-hmm. who researches it, his name's David, starts with a P. David Paulides, yeah. Paulides, yeah. And he's the missing yeah. four world one. What, what's your take on that, man? I, and I think he kind of gets to maybe it's some type of big Bigfoot character that's involved or something like that. Yeah. In some of those cases, um, there may be some Bigfoot or Sasquatch that's involved with it. I've covered this topic a bit with uh, my work on the Alaska triangle. And, you know, it is fascinating that people just suddenly go missing. They could be walking along, you know, a path with somebody out in the woods and then all of a sudden they're gone. You know, the other person there, what turns around and their friend is just totally disappeared. <laughs> and you know, a lot of them are never to be seen again. What's interesting is the ones that come back that are found have some really strange, bizarre stories. Like they'll say, well, you know, I heard a sound off the side, you know, the side of the path. 
you know, maybe it was just a rustling. Maybe it was, um, you know, sounded like a, another person, uh, like maybe a mewing or a crying type of a sound. So they, they went off the, the path just like a step or two, couldn't find what it was, turned back to get back onto the path with their friend or, or whomever, and all of a sudden the path is gone. Like, what in the world happened? How did I lose the path? And they end up lost out in the woods for, you know, days or weeks trying to find their way back. So, you know, it kind of makes you question, uh, you know, did they step into some sort of portal? Did they have, you know, travel interdimensionally to another point in time? You, you know, it's it, the I, ideas and possibilities are almost endless as to what happened. But somehow, some way, they got off the path with only taking a step or two. Wow. Uh, that's amazing, man. <laughs> that is amazing. So what's what's next for you, Mike? What projects do you have coming up? I know you said this the the trip to, to Egypt next year, right? And what yeah. else? Uh... Yeah, we have the other trip to Egypt um, in the works on another book. Actually, I, I split the book that I was working on into two because it was I was just taking on so many different topics. Um, that was I have my podcast connecting the universe and I have my online learning platform, the connected universe portal. And so the book that I was working on was called connecting the universe, taking a lot of the different esoteric topics that I've been covering. Cause I, you know, I have a firm belief that you know, everything in this universe is connected through and through. Mm-hmm. And so I was taking a lot of those different topics and creating this massive book and realized, you know, connecting the universe is a book series. And I need to split out some of these topics into their own books. So the very first one uh, travels through time. This is on uh, how time works, time travel, and something that I call stack time theory, which is really a variation on um, you know Einstein's idea about the space-time continuum. So that's a, a big project that's, that's in the works. I'm also uh, in the middle of post-production on uh, Shadow Dimension Season 2. So Shadow Dimension is a docuseries that uh, was released almost two years ago now. It's running on Tubi TV, the Roku channel, several other platforms. And uh, it's... This has been in post-production for a while because I've just been so busy. But, um, you know, a couple of the episodes are uh, are completed. Just need to get a couple more finished off. And then that'll come out uh, later this year as well. So yeah, a lot of irons in the fire here. That's awesome, man. You you do a fine, fine job with what you do. Thank you. Um, man, and, and I know our audience has really enjoyed this conversation. And if you could just take a moment to tell them where they can find you, website, social media, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. MikeRickSecker.com. Uh, that's my you know, main website. There's ConnectedUniversePortal.com as well. That's the learning platform. You can find me on all kinds of social media, Instagram, like you were already saying earlier, uh, you know, Facebook, TikTok, uh, all those different locations. And, um, you know, this Friday night, March 3rd, uh, also tune into Ancient Aliens. We have an episode on the Alaska Triangle with that. Uh, Sweet. You know, yeah. that's one thing I did not ask you about because I know you have mm-hmm. the book. Please take a moment, a few minutes, if you will, to tell yeah. us about the Alaskan Triangle. What's what's that all about? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, like its namesake, the Bermuda Triangle, mm-hmm. where you have all of these, you know, uh, 
disappearances like we were talking about before, uh, you know, missing airplanes as well, which is, you know, really bizarre up there. You have a lot of paranormal activity. You have the Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings, other creatures, um, you know, the Lake Iliamna monster, which is almost like the Loch Ness monster. And so all these different strange things that, that happen up there. And you have these different types of areas like that around the world. It's not just Bermuda. You know, you have Alaska, you have the Dragon Triangle out there uh, by Japan. Uh, you, you know, Ivan T. Sanderson decades ago talked about like those vile vortices. And that's really what's going on here is you have that uh, magnetic energy welling up from the Earth's core that interacts with different metal, metals and minerals on the way up, creating uh, some really bizarre magnetic fields in different areas of the world. And that's where really, really strange things happen. Okay, so you have that going on and people mm-hmm. in that area, just like the Bermuda Triangle, they just disappeared. Did they get sucked into like a another dimension or something like that? Or, or Yeah, that's one, of the, that's one of the going theories. And uh, Bruce Gernon in the 1970s, um, when he was traveling from one of the islands out there uh, to – he was headed to Fort – was he Fort Lauderdale? I think, or Miami, or well, basically, what happened was he ended up in what he called an electronic fog that kind of turned into a tunnel. He flew through; he thought he was a goner. When he came out on the other side, Miami was below him, and you know, only a few minutes had passed. He's like, "This is making sense. It takes me an hour and a half to get from there to Miami. How in the world oh, wow, does this only take a couple of minutes?" So, yeah, he basically got zipped ahead in time. One of the ideas that I have with Alaska some of the different missing airplanes up there. And it, and it makes some sense. And a, a, a number of people who have studied the Alaska Triangle believe that, you know, some of these different airplanes have disappeared through uh, portals and have come out either into another dimension or another point in time. So I take it a step further and say, okay, so let's take that idea. It went through a portal, ended up in another point in time. Let's say it went back like 500 years. Okay, what would, who's up there 500 years ago? Well, the native Inuit what would the native Inuit think of seeing an airplane? Cause they have no context for what an airplane is. You know, they would see it as like a giant bird, very loud and thunderous in nature. So maybe that's where some of these Thunderbird legends are coming from, right? Airplanes that have been uh, taken back in time through some of these portals. Wow. That's fascinating. I love it. I love it. One more question for you. I want you sure. to take on the, uh, the North pole. Right. I, you know, who was that general back in the 40s who did the uh, excursion up there with like thousands of men? Right. Was it Admiral Byrd? Was it, is that who? Yeah, Byrd was the South Pole. Yeah. He was South Antarctica. Pole, South, yeah, Pole. South Pole. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I was hoping. Um, There's a no, lot of secrecy I, I, going around there, too. Right? There is. Yeah. There's a lot of secrecy. And I've, I've had talks with some different individuals that have worked down there and they, they say, yeah, that the secrets are really tight and, you know, a little bit of information gets leaked here and there. Um, what I find fascinating about the, the South Pole Antarctic, and I do mention it in a little bit in my um, Alaska book, but there are studies that have come out of there uh, from the Anita Project and the Ice Cube Project where they have uh, detected neutrinos coming up out of, out of the Earth's surface, which is backwards from the way that it's supposed to work. They're supposed to be coming in from space. These are coming up backwards out of the Earth. And so there are actually peer-reviewed scientific papers that have come out on this now saying that you know, this may be indicative of a parallel universe running in reverse time. So, yeah. So you have interesting things like that on top of 
you know, like the UFO sightings and uh, you know, all kinds of other conspiracy theories that are going on down in Antarctica. So it's, uh, you know, because people have uh, detected pyramids and things like that down there, too. So Man, fascinating location. Insane. Like I always tell my people, nothing is as it seems. You never know what's going on it's in this true. world we live in. It's, it's it's something else. And Mike, my friend, one last question. This is mm-hmm. something I ask each and every guest to do when they come on the Hidden Gateway podcast is to leave our listeners with something that they need to hear in this moment in time as they continue their personal journey. Um, I like to call it a token of love. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes to mind, it could just be a minute to what, whatever you feel that people need to know. It can be in regards to life in general or what you yeah. do specifically. Um, I would say, you know, whatever, whatever your passion is, you know, w- whatever it may be, uh, don't give up. Keep keep pushing forward. Um, you know, life's tough. Life is hard. Uh, nothing is going to hit you harder than life. And I'm going to go whole, you know, Rocky uh, <laughs> on you here. Cause no, cause there are a lot of, um, you know, he has a lot of really great life advice in those movies when, um, you know, he's, he says it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Um, you know, that's to, to me, that, is what will drive you through life to, to make and achieve your goals. Whatever, whatever it is that you're passionate about, keep on pushing. You know, you can take some hits, but you got to get up and keep pushing forward. Love it. Very timely as well. I thank you so much, Mike, Absolutely. for being a guest on the Hidden Gateway podcast. This is a very, very fascinating talk. I always, you know, these talks always have me very intrigued. They're so fascinating. Thank you for what you do as well. All the good works you do with the research, your books. People check them out. He provided the website, his social media. Check him out. He's doing a great thing. And I really hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast as much as I did. As always, please stay connected with us at thehiddengateway.com. If you would like to speak with us, shoot us an email like a lot of you do at support at the hidden gateway.com and as always thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality now this will conclude this week's episode until next time stay positive stay questioning be love and be free the hidden gateway outs